0: Is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead? Hey, everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 541, recorded on Monday, August the 23rd, 2021. Welcome, welcome everybody to the show. Jason, welcome to you, to the show. And welcome to you, Christopher, and welcome back to a new season of The Walking Dead. Oh my God, it's a new season of The Walking Dead. Season 11 is upon us, and we are here to begin our coverage of it. It's uh, really exciting, I think. And back on a Monday. Yeah, back We're on a We're recording Mondays. on
1: a Monday. I'm so excited. It's, it, uh it it really did seem like a monday night podcast that we did on tuesdays
0: for a, for a long time there so i'm glad we're back to mondays for like 2 or 3 years yeah i i kind of agree i think the monday is better too and i'm happy to be back on mondays it just feels right you know
1: and it and it really doesn't give me more time to watch the show cuz you know if i uh, if we record on a tuesday i usually watch it on a tuesday <laughs> If I, if we record on a Monday, like today, I'm like, oh shit, I better watch it. And I watch it on a Monday. So, uh, it really makes no difference to me whatsoever. I always,
0: always leave it to the last minute. No matter what. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But you're right. I, I, I think Mondays are better here. We're going to do Mondays for the duration of season 11 and it seems to make some sense.
1: Yeah. Like I've always said, i may. Do do what needs to be done, kind of guy, mm-hmm. and it's a double-edged sword because when it needs to be done, goddamn it, I'll do it. But if it doesn't need to be done, I won't do it until it does need to be done. Yep, not so. Do m- what needs to be done, and leave it until then. Not a lot of doing it until you
0: really need to. That's right. Yeah, good. Unless it needs to be done, I probably won't do it. Okay, well that's excellent. Uh, so. Jesus, man. Season 11 has started. We're here to recap the first episode. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to do before we totally get started, though, and and the first one is something you reminded me about just before we went on the air. Uh, Jasper had a birthday, so I'd like to say happy birthday to Jasper.
1: Well, uh, he says thank you very much from his uh, dreams, because he's <laughs> asleep. Yeah, he turned five yesterday. Uh, very exciting. He got a basketball hoop. He's, he's
0: very happy about it. Ooh, that's really good. That's a great gift. I mean, I can't believe he's five, man. We've been doing this podcast for twice as long as he's been alive, and he's that's five.
1: True. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. It 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 really sets the uh, it really sets the line in the sand as for uh, how long we've been doing things. Because uh, and I know exactly how long it's been since uh, Negan bashed in Glenn's
0: head. Because uh, that was right after Jasper was born. So I, I that, believe uh, that really sets that in the in the sand. I believe you told me one time that you watched that, like holding your newborn son in your arms. Yeah, he was
1: asleep. I was watching uh, Ultraviolence
0: on uh, on TV. That's amazing.
1: I was watching the episode today, and he came home from uh, day camp, and he came down to where I was watching it. He's like, "What's that?" And I said, "That's *The Walking Dead*." He's like, "Oh, can I watch?" I'm like, "Nope." And it's like, because there was little like blurry shots of uh, zombies in the background. And I shut it down and I showed him the, uh, uh the rating of the television show. And he, you know what numbers did that say? And he says 18 plus I'm like, yeah, that's how old you have to be. It's like, man, when am I going to be 18? <laughs> and so we did some math and told him it was 13 years from now.
0: <laughs> wow. He's got a long time to wait. That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even have 18 year olds, but, uh, I I'd be okay with my kids watching it if they wanted to, but they have no interest. It's just the way they are.
1: I can't imagine
0: why they would have an interest. Uh, well, I don't know. They watch they watch other stuff like stranger things and you know, things with some violence and some scariness, but they just aren't into walking dead. But maybe someday they will, long after I'm gone, they'll recover these recordings somewhere and go, "You know what? Maybe we should check out that show my dad loved so much."
1: Not a chance. No?
0: Aww.
1: Not a chance. They're going to find all these recordings, uh, on a hard drive somewhere. Maybe, you know, if they don't just toss the hard drive in the garbage. Oh man. Uh, after, uh, after you're gone, there's no way, there's no way they will go back and, uh, go through these recordings. Damn. Sorry. Okay. I, I
0: really hate to burst your bubble there, but, uh, nope. Okay. Well, despite that, I'm going to continue making them anyways and, uh, well it's not for them, right? You never know. It's for know. you and me and everybody else. Everybody else but my kids. That's whoever right.
1: wants to. You know, that's the glory of this thing is that it's for us because we want to. And uh-huh. it's for everybody else that wants to listen. It just happens to be that probably your kids will never want to listen.
0: Fair but enough. That's fine. That's <laughs> it's fine. True. They'll find their own thing, I suppose. Yeah. Make their own podcasts. They probably will, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I do want to welcome back every listener who tunes out during the off season, because I know there are some of those. So welcome back, everybody. The Walking Dead is back. It's great to have you here. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted that you're coming back. So I want to do that. And to any new listeners out there, I want to say welcome as well, in case you have found us recently for some reason. Uh, just, you know, great to have you on board. And I hope you enjoy what you are about to hear. And in fact, here's a quick call from one new listener named Owen. Hi, this is uh Owen in Leeds in England. Um me and a colleague of mine have got into the show over the last few months and we've basically watched every episode of everything in about four months. Uh once I got to about season four or five I decided I want the podcast to listen to and then I ended up finding you guys and I just want to say you you add so much to the shows and it's just a good it's a fantastic fantastic thing to to just enjoy so really appreciate what you guys do and we're bloody excited for season 11 bring it on cheers guys amazing thank you so much Owen so first of all thank you for listening and discovering us and I'm I'm delighted to hear that you're enjoying it uh but I played that mostly for the final little bit there season 11 bring it on bring it on yeah. yeah,
1: thanks Owen. That was uh, that was really nice to
0: hear. It was and, really. You great. know, for if,
1: for new listeners, th- there's no need to go back and listen <laughs> to the podcast from before this point. There's it, there's really no no need for that.
0: It's funny, I still hear from people all the time who are like I found you guys and I went back to the beginning, episode 1 and started listening and whether or not they rewatched the show you know, is irrelevant, but they listen to us from the beginning. I'm like, what is the matter with you people? I'm, <laughs> I'm amazed that you do it and it's super cool, but man, 540 previous episodes, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of audio. Boy, it's, it's quite a thing, but I'm, I'm delighted that you do.
1: It is. And it's, you know, there's no accounting for taste, right? And, and some people like long form entertainment. That's true. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm one, I'm, I'm into, I'm on season 13 of Law & Order SVU. And I started Law & Order all at the beginning and watched 20 seasons of it. And I started uh, Law & Order SVU from the beginning and there's 20 seasons of that. And, uh, I'm just plowing my way through it. And that's, that's, hundreds and hundreds of hours of entertainment and, uh, I'm all over it. It's, I find it very comforting.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't hold it against anybody totally. So, um, I just think it's amazing. It, I just think of myself doing that, but it's, it's, I have a different perspective, right? I'm not going to go back and listen to 540 episodes of myself talking on the internet, but.
1: Well, no, nobody, I wouldn't want that either. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I wouldn't listen to you. I wouldn't listen to me.
0: Really Fair enough, yeah. But if, if you're into that, then that's amazing. But all I really wanted to do is say th- thank you so much to everyone who has listened over the years. Uh, and anyone who's new, welcome, and I hope you'll enjoy it. And feel free to send in thoughts and comments anytime. We welcome that. Okay, let's get into it, Jason. Uh, season 11, episode number one of The Walking Dead. Here we go. The Walking Dead. Achelon. No, Acheron. No, Acheron. No, Acheron. No. no, oh, somebody help me. I can't get this right. Acheron. Achron. Acheron. That's it. <laughs> that, that's from Daniel in the UK. Thank you, Daniel, for that re- title read. Acheron. <laughs> Acheron. <laughs> 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 Bit of a sneeze title there. Yeah. yeah, yeah Whatever about. it is, Acheron, part one season 11, episode one. I'm pretty sure it's Asheron. Oh, really, Asheron, okay. yeah. (laughs) So even I have no idea how to pronounce it, but uh, (laughs) that's what it is. Thank you, Daniel, for that title read, and thank you, Jason, for the clarification. Now, just before we dive into our recap, I want to point out to everyone, and this is something that I discovered uh, about a week ago, and also Scott from Kingston, Ontario, let me know as well via email. But AMC Plus, everybody, is now available in Canada. And wow. on our last podcast, which was the uh, our half of the season 10 wrap-up crossover uh, with the Walking Dead cast, we talked about how it's not available here. And I've talked about it before on the podcast, but in the meantime, it has become available. So AMC has launched AMC Plus in Canada. If you are a Canadian and you want to get AMC Plus and therefore get access to all of the AMC streaming content, including The Walking Dead, uh, which and, and week early episodes, then you can now sign up for AMC Plus in Canada. It's very exciting. I have done that, and I must admit, it makes my Walking Dead viewing a little more convenient because I have more flexibility in the time that I can watch it.
1: Yeah, I tried to sign up. I was unsuccessful. <laughs> uh so I'm going to try a different method even though uh I bought the uh, I bought the season on iTunes as I always do. So uh and the convenience factor of that is complete and utter shite. It's uh I use iTunes to uh, to download it and watch it on my computer which uh is probably not recommended seeing uh-huh. as though they're going to be have they discontinued iTunes altogether already?
0: It's on the chopping block at the very least, right? Well, no, iTunes is, st- like Apple TV is still a thing. It's not really called iTunes anymore, but it's TV, yeah. But the standalone
1: app that you have on your computer oh. is no longer a thing. It's,
0: uh, iTunes is, uh, you know, the the application is, is, you know, abandoned. That is true. Now they have a, an app for TV, an app for music, and so on, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, me being the kind of guy that I am... I still launch iTunes and go to the iTunes store and download the episode, and then I watch the episode, and that's just a complete waste of time. And I recognize that this is my problem.
0: Got it. So Well, AMC Plus is now available through Apple TV Plus as a channel. I believe also Amazon Prime, if you pay for that in Canada, you can get it as a channel. So Canadians, you're, uh, you're up. You can get up uh, AMC, TV, AMC Plus now. In this country, which is something I've complained about for a long time, but here it is, and it is pretty convenient. So we are joining the entertainment world one step at a time. We sure are. All right, let's get into our recap Jason season 11 episode one a as you said, part sure part one. we open with a shot of Daryl he's it's from behind. he's looking out over the roof. Uh, from the roof of a building. We know it's Daryl because of his angel wing vest he has on. Then Elijah, who uh, appears with mask on, and it turns out there's a big group of them on the roof of this building. They open a skylight, and the men of the group lower a bunch of the women down on pulleys into a military base. Oh, shit, I didn't even
1: realize that it was men versus women. I just I, it didn't occur to me that that was the dividing line between who was on the roof and who was inside the building.
0: You know what it's funny, I wouldn't say versus, but uh they they definitely did lower the women down. So the women who were lowered in are Maggie, Magna, Carol, Kelly, Rosita and Lydia. I believe I've got everybody. So they've that, lowered them shit. in. I, I think the idea here is they've lowered the lighter people in. If you're going to lower people down in on pulleys and ropes, why not go with the the lighter people and not stress the ropes so much? I don't
1: think it matters whatsoever. If I've learned anything from the first Mission Impossible movie, uh-huh. then you can lower whoever you want down on uh, uh, on a pulley system <laughs> and it works out just fine. Although Tom Cruise is probably not that heavy. W- was going to say, of all people, Tom Cruise is probably pretty light. <laughs> Yeah, Ving Rames, on the other hand, if we would have lowered him down, that would have been problematic.
0: Not a great idea. Yeah. Well, they lower the ladies down. Now, inside this uh, barracks, I guess, there are dozens, maybe hundreds of walkers just lying around on the floor.
1: Yeah, so the, it's, it's got to be a hangar because there was helicopters in here. Right. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of zombies, I assume, sleeping? Are they sleeping? What are they doing? They're lurkers, right?
0: Yeah. So we'll talk about this in a second, but let me just get through a, a bit here. They they lower them down. They sneak amongst them, sort of being as quiet as they can. It's clear to us that these are living zombies. You know, they're not killed, not dead zombies. Um, Magna picks a lock of a door and... Kelly and her find a storage room that is just jam-packed full of MREs, meals ready to eat.
1: So I have a question for you. I'm sorry to derail you again. No problem. Uh I need to level set uh my uh nitpick meter for the season. Okay. So already I've got three things that are uh nitpicky. So do I <sighs> Okay, let's let's just uh let's level set here. Let's uh let me give you uh, the scale of what I'm talking about, okay, so the nitpick meter here, if I leave it at uh, uh, at zero, right I'm not going to nitpick anything. so you know everything's fine, it's all good, uh, you know every every nothing uh, nothing bothers me, but if I you know dial it all the way up to ten, uh, I'm going to say things like that's the wrong way to pick a lock uh, and they don't store MREs like that. like Mres don't come in crates, they come in boxes. <laughs> right, the, the U.S. military is not going to crate up MREs in a big pile like that to ship them from one place to another. MREs come in a box, 12 to a box, and they just stack the fucking boxes, right? And when they need to ship out the boxes, they send the boxes. They've been packaging meals in boxes since World War II. Uh-huh. They're not going to put them in crates. It's just too much weight. Okay, so that's that's 10.
0: Where should I set my nitpick meter you know i don't know if you should go all the way to 10 that feels a little high to be fair but i understand that you are who you are and you you require a certain level of nitpickery right um i don't know i mean maybe you got to find a medium ground there somewhere
1: okay so let's uh let's try it around seven for a little while okay which probably won't include the mres but uh, sorry, we'll include the MREs because I, I can't let that slide. Okay. But I will leave the lock picking alone. Lock picking, I think you can probably leave aside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if
0: that's okay. And, uh, you know, being quiet around sleeping zombies. Right. Well, we'll talk about that for sure in a second. So they pick the lock, they get in there, they find this room full of MREs. And what they're there to do is load these up into bags and hoist them back up out through the skylight because they need the food. So we see them doing that back in the hangar. And of course, one of the ropes that they're using frays a whole bunch and breaks, and Daryl catches the bag just in time before it falls back into the uh, hangar. Right. Uh, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes in, uh, the rope... And the MREs, holy crap, the rope and the MREs, even a case of MREs doesn't weigh more than a hundred pounds. The rope snapping while the team slowly pulled it up is one thing, but having that rope, uh, sorry, having that trope occur and then proceeding to hook people onto said ropes is poor decision making that we haven't witnessed since Otis went on a run with Shane. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So broken rope, people, you know, can't even hold the weight of a bag yet, but then you're loading human beings onto it doesn't seem really all that smart.
1: Well, ropes get old, right? So climbing ropes you don't use for very long, uh, but they are stretchy. Mm Uh, they don't, I don't know about breakage, but, uh, they do stretch and fray, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't trust a rope that, uh, if you have 10 ropes and one breaks and they're all like the same age and the same level of dirty, uh, I might not trust the other nine.
0: Yeah, it's a fair, fair point, actually. Now, in the process of Daryl pulling this rope up, he's cut his arm pretty badly, and a few drops of blood fall down and land on a walker's face. Yep. And this is what seems to wake them up. And, of course, once one is awoken, the rest of them wake up, and now we're suddenly in a hangar full of... Woken whop- woken whoppers, not whoppers, oh, whopper, <laughs> nothing to do with, uh, with, uh, oh my god, Burger King, Burger King, <laughs> Walkers, woken Walkers, um, so <sighs> this is interesting. This
1: phrase, it is because it raises a question: Do zombies feel? Right? Because yeah. in order to uh be awoken by blood dripping on your face means that zombies feel mm-hmm. they can feel pressure they can feel pain uh they feel something they can feel something on their skin we know that they can see we know that they can hear and smell we and smell but do uh, you know where does that uh, where does it end so do they have that touch uh what's what's the what's the fifth sense well i mean Sight. there's a tactile smell.
0: element to it right Smell, touch, hear, touch, see. Taste. Taste. Wow. Can they taste? <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> they too. They seem to want to eat a lot, but I, I think this is interesting. So a- another listener, Adam in Texas, wrote in, holy crap, did you see that we have sleepers instead of walkers? Just when you think the show can't surprise you with something new and interesting, uh, you know, that's what they do. So we've known for a long time that there are at least... From the comics there was lurkers and there were roamers right the roamers are the ones that kind of just walked around going wherever they wanted to and when they picked up the scent or something to follow they would then there were lurkers who just sat there and did nothing until there was some stimulus to get them going yeah but i'll be honest with you i feel like these zombies are neither of those these are more it's it's almost like they were asleep And just doing nothing because we could lower the people down in amongst them. They could walk around amongst them and their smell or their presence alone was not enough to wake up the zombies until Daryl dropped blood on one of them. So I think this is the show just playing a little fast and loose with the idea of lurkers, to be honest.
1: Yes. And, you know, it's a matter of how sensitive their uh, senses are. Right I assume that their senses are probably not as good as a living breathing human being, right, because we yeah. have blood going through, we have uh you know the electrical stimulus and all that kind of stuff, so maybe zombies don't see that well, but they go towards movement kind of thing, yep uh they don't hear that well, but they will go towards sound, they don't feel that well, uh but they will feel blood on their faces or dripping or what have you mm-hmm. um so. You know, is people walking around enough to awaken somebody's sense of smell or sound? Uh, No, the answer is no, but the sense of uh, feeling something on your face is enough to wake you up. Once you wake up one zombie, the rest wake up two. Um, I'm a little worried about, or a little leery of uh, these lurkers or sleepers lying down to go to sleep, because... Do they get tired and they need to lie down? I mean, I sh- I sure do. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah. don't zombies just kind of stand there when, they're, when they lack the
0: stimulus? They just kind of maybe mill about. They just I don't know. They just stop moving is kind of what what I would think. But it's something the show hasn't really done before. You know, zombies typically on the show are always moving. They're coming towards you. You know, they're reacting to your presence a little bit and.
1: We had a lurker in the prison in season three. That
0: was an awfully long time ago.
1: It was. I remember because it was very surprising to, to it's like, hey, finally they have a lurker. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it Tyrese? No, it was before, uh, somebody got, you know, uh, waylaid by a lurker in the prison as they yeah. were wandering around. Uh, so we did, we have had lurkers, but that guy, would, that, that zombie was also sitting down. Right, so I guess zombies get tired after a while. They're like, "Man, I just gotta, I just gotta lie down.
0: <laughs> just gotta take a break right here, little little cat nap." <laughs> for, you know, for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, these ones were were lying there and they didn't wake up. But once they did, you know, it's pretty dangerous down there. So all the women who are down in that hangar have to fight their way through. Uh, Magna and Kelly are still in the other room. And the rest of them, they start shooting arrows. They start bashing them. The ladies who are down there take out a ton of them. And I thought it was pretty cool that the guys up top through the skylight started firing down as like support fire, which was was pretty fun. I enjoyed that. Including Daryl with his fucking super hyper accurate knives. Well, yeah, exactly. He uses the knives at the end. But before that, even though we have, you know, guns come out, there are a lot of guns lying around. So they pick up some guns, they start shooting. Um, the last person down in the hangar is Carol. Everyone else has now uh, been ris- uh, raised up, and she's about to go, but she notices one more big box of food. Uh-huh. So instead of escaping, she goes for the food, and um, I guess she gets it, but Daryl's up there providing support, and as you said, he uses some throwing knives. Throws them down, takes out a couple of zombies. Carol eventually makes it back up. She uh, hooks on. She's pulled up. And when she gets to the top, back on the roof, it's revealed that she managed to retrieve Daryl's knives. (laughs) Well, that's nice. (laughs) It's awfully nice of her. A little, um, I don't know, uh, hard to...
1: Indiana Jones Hattie
0: believe a little and Indiana Jones Hattie exactly yeah
1: yeah okay so he never loses his hat that's fine and and you know that's all well and good but I think that that kind of uh, bond that you would have with an object where you never lose it mm-hmm. uh, and then we've talked about champions in the in in the past about disadvantages advantages powers that kind of thing yep. that role playing game champions one of the advantages you could get is you could have an object that. You never lost. You could dive out of a building that had exploded, and you would land 50 feet down in the middle of a debris field, and your gun would land beside you. Sure. Kind of thing, right? You never lose it. That kind of attachment to an inanimate object, I would assume, was for his crossbow, not his knives. So that's the only place where here I can, uh, I, I can be a little bit skeptical is that, you know, getting the knives back is all well and good, but I don't think he has that kind of bond with his knives. He has that kind of bond with his crossbow.
0: Yeah. And maybe his vest, but not the knives. But, well, she brings the knives back up and everyone gets out safely and now they have a whole bunch of extra food. So that's good. That is good. Let me ask you a couple questions here. Okay.
1: How did they know the MREs were in this
0: hangar? Well, I believe Daryl had been out scouting areas and he came across this place. Now, I don't know if he knew there were MREs specifically in there, but he found this military base and somehow knew that there were, uh, there was some supplies in there. So they went after them. So they seemed to go directly to where the goods
1: were. Yep, right behind a locked door, amongst a sea of sleeping zombies, mm-hmm. uh, they went right for the goods, and they seemed to have the proper equipment to take those goods and haul them back up. They yep. came down with a bunch of sacks, or you know, military bags, uh, or whatever they needed in order to get into this room. They came down with lock-picking tools. They went into this room. They grabbed exactly what they needed. There's guns lying around all over the place. They didn't pick up a gun. They didn't pick up a box of ammo. They didn't search around to find things. They dropped down. They went in, they got the MREs and they were on their way out. Uh,
0: and the
1: zombies woke up. Yep. So how did they know they were in there? The, the, the MREs were in there.
0: I don't know. I, I, I'm, I am not sure that is, uh, important to the plot, but somehow they did somehow they did they just assumed maybe they there was an assumption made that this is a military base they're going to have supplies and that's where they're going to be i don't know it's maggie maggie knew that this stuff was in here mm.
1: she is she she does it later in the show uh, with another location but she knew that the stuff was here she sent them in here i'm not entirely sure what her end game is other than maybe um She's building up confidence. You know, I got to give them a win kind of thing to Mm -hmm. show them I am the, you know, the provider, the leader. I can give them what they need so that when I want to take them on the next little adventure to ambush them and kill them all because I'm the bad guy, uh, she has that, she's building that confidence. It's the long con. Right. She, you know, she's building the confidence in order to be able to scam them later. My goodness. All right.
0: Well. We'll have to see. I, I, you know, that feels like it's plausible. (laughs) Sure. I guess. (laughs) Anyways, they have all this stuff and after our opening credits, oh, the other thing I wanted to say about this whole opening cold open was that it was totally done with no dialogue. And I actually kind of liked that. There was one scene where Kelly signed something to Magna, but other than that, it was totally silent. And I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That
1: was uh, very reminiscent of the beginning of season three, as long as we're refer- referencing that. That yep. whole cold open in the uh, the premiere of that particular season was all silence as well as they try- they went through a house yeah. to clear it. And you, uh, I believe they found some pudding, but that might've been a later episode.
0: No, that was later. I think in that house they found, they were eating dog food or something. Remember? No. Oh. Oh yeah, putting better than dog food. Yeah, for in sure. my opinion. Yeah, you know, totally. But I thought that was fun. I thought that this was was really well done and uh, you know, everything you needed to know more or less was presented to you without any dialogue. It was
1: pretty cool. All right, let me uh, let me ask you another question. We're back to the nitpick scale here. I'm going to give you a nitpick and you're going to tell me where it lands on the scale. Okay. I need I don't have the ability to judge this shit for myself. So, again, they picked up uh, military firearms and they were shooting them with zero recoil. And it was just like pew, 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 pew. It was like ray guns, uh, that they were shooting. There was no recoil. There was no nothing. Uh, this was back, uh, reminiscent of the, uh, the fighting with the saviors, uh, where all those battles didn't have any, they had magical weapons. Without right. Without having to reload or, you know, have recoil.
0: You know, I'll be honest. I feel like the lack of recoil on weapons is pretty high on the nitpick scale. I mean, and, when you, when you figure that, uh, Anybody and everybody in almost every show or movie ever made just sort of knows how to use a gun. And, uh, like that's hard enough to believe at least from my perspective, um, these people have all used weapons before, so they know how they work. They, you know, they know what to do with them. Um, so I don't actually disbelieve that, uh, Carol would be able to pick up a rifle and just start shooting it. Like I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be like, point this at something, pull trigger. That may or may not work if I was doing it, but. You have to find the safety. There's a safety. Yeah. I don't know where that is on a gun. I have no idea.
1: Well, there's a little switch probably around where your thumb is. And when you move it, there's a little red dot because red means dead. Uh, (laughs) The red dot does not mean it's unsafe. The red dot means that you can shoot. Sure. Sure. But I wouldn't know that. All I'm saying is- I No, you th- do. That's the
0: thing. I'm, I'm letting you know that that's how they work. Okay. So that's what you need to know. Fair enough. Good. That's good to know. Um, but I'm saying is like all these people I believe that would know how to use a gun and how to shoot and I don't know, brace themselves for recoil. So the fact that there's no recoil on these weapons, I don't think is a big deal and probably pretty high on the nitpick scale. All
1: right. Thank you. I appreciate
0: that. All right. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> yes, please. All right. After the opening credits, the team arrives back in Alexandria. They've got food in hand. The place still looks like a disaster to me. Uh, It's, you know, but people are working on it. And Judith and RJ welcome Daryl back with a big hug. And I thought this was, there was a funny bit about this scene where, uh, you know, the kids are running toward him and dog is there and Daryl goes down on one knee as the kids are approaching. And then yeah. dog immediately just turns and runs right to him. Like I, I feel like this was an acting mistake on dog's part, but they kind of just went with it.
1: And the kids too, cause they had this weird hesitation yeah. in them as well. So it was, uh, uh, it really disappoints me to to know that that was the best take. <laughs> so they probably tried that a few times, and that was the best one. And you know, the editor and the whoever uh, the producer and whoever directed this uh, are were sitting in a room going, God "Damn it! Do we have to really use this?" Yeah, yeah. yeah we we really kind of do. Like,
0: you know what though? Like I don't I don't think it was bad necessarily. I just thought it was funny. I just feel like the dog probably. You know, it was just ex- excited and it was like, oh, look, somebody's down on one knee with their arms out. I'm going to go and run and hug them because that's what dog does. But I don't, yeah, it's fine. They, often,
1: they always say never work with uh, kids and animals. Right? right. And so this is kind of a confluence of multiple <laughs> situations and issues. In this that, scene, uh, you were working with both. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, that was funny. Uh, Maggie and Daryl come uh, not Maggie and Daryl, Maggie and Negan come face to face with each other. They kind of glare at each other. And then Herschel, little Herschel comes running up to Maggie, uh, and welcomes them home. And, uh, a bunch of Maggie's people have returned all of a sudden. She thought they were dead, but here they are back in Alexandria. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. We now have more of Maggie's people. Yeah. convenient. So we go inside, the council is discussing their food problem. They say they only have enough for another week and they debate whether they should continue hunting for food or continue repairing Alexandria because they don't really have walls at the moment. And I thought it was interesting that Daryl mentions that the last big horde scared all the animals away so they can't even hunt anymore. They, you know, they just don't have this access to fr- fresh, fresh meat, really.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure how animals work, but generally speaking, uh, you know, they get frightened by things and they run off, but they yep. come back. Right. And it's like, they don't hold a grudge. It's like, I'm not going over there. Those guys are evil. I don't like them at all. I'm mean, going to fuck them all. No. Yes. shit. No, they don't hold a grudge. They're like, you know, they just wander around. But I guess if they're scared to a particular location, scared off, and they run to a particular location and there's berries there, then mm. might stick around. That just stays.
0: Like, why go back? Yeah, exactly. There are berries here. We like berries. It's shitty. Well, Maggie suggests that there is a place she knows of called Meridian that has plenty of food, water, crops, animals. This is the last place she lived. And she tells the story to them all of how this place fell. She says, basically, they were attacked and slaughtered by the reapers, although In this scene, she doesn't use that name, but I'm pretty sure it's going to come up later. And she says that there aren't many of them, but they're at Meridian, and she thinks they can take the place back. And that will provide them with all this stuff that they need to survive in Alexandria.
1: Yeah. So this is uh, the—I'm not sure what the term is, but, uh, you know, you uh, you present the con— you give them, you know, the the uh, whoever you're trying to con, you're they're giving them the confidence to accept your your description of uh, what they should do. And now she's, you know, laying it out. Yep. I I know I know that this was not enough food because MREs are great and everything, but uh, they don't last very long. The idea is that uh, three MREs will feed a fighting soldier for a day, and that's a they need a lot of calories, right? Of course, and, yeah. Yep. So, uh, me in particular, I probably could eat two MREs a day, maybe, probably with sharing it with other people. So if they got, uh, a hundred MREs, right, that's, uh, you know, 50 people for a day kind of thing. So those MREs are, it's not a lot of food to feed a community. No,
0: definitely not a lot. So they're going to need more. So they are... Uh, debating what to do here. Some of the people in this room agreed to go on the mission. Others don't want to. Aaron, Rosita, and Carol are the ones who don't want to go, and everybody else does. So that includes Maggie and her people, who are Cole, Frost, Agatha, Duncan, and Elijah, uh, Agree to go, along with Daryl and Father Gabe. And we cut quickly to them now sort of on the road on this mission they're in a heavy rainstorm and others have joined as well including dog he came which is great negan gage roy and alden so we got a pretty big group (laughs) that's a whole crew (laughs) on the road here yeah now it's raining really hard as i said so they debate whether they should find shelter until it passes and they decide to enter the subway system and use it to travel across the city
1: so well, first of all, it's shitty that they don't have any kind of weather service to be able to tell them what the weather is going to be like and whether they should go yep. today or tomorrow or wait for whatever. Yep. They just go and hope for the best. Uh, and second of all, who pointed out the metro station? Was it
0: Maggie? I think so. I'm pretty so. sure it was
1: Maggie. Yeah, I think so. So, how did she? My question is how did she know it was going to rain so hard that they would use the, uh, the metro system?
0: Well, she didn't know it was going to rain. They, You know, she was leading them to this place, and I think it started to rain. And then as they were traipsing through the rain, they saw the entra- entrance to the subway system, and she said, why don't we go down there because we can escape the rain?
1: Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm laying the foundation for uh, the con, right? right. So if, uh, you know, on a good twist, everything makes sense. A good twist ending, a uh, uh, plot twist, uh, everything makes sense. This doesn't make sense right now. And I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit leery about it because she, Negan's there, right? Mm -hmm. Why would Negan be there? Why would Maggie accept Negan going on this trip? Uh, And the idea, you know, is that Negan knows the city, right? He knows the city. uh, And she points out this particular subway. Uh, So why are, how how did she know it was going to rain to get them to go down into the subway station? That's well, what
0: I'm wondering. Well, again, I don't think she knew it was going to rain, but you're right. Negan is there, at least as far as we know right now, to help them through the city. And they are, in fact, going to rely on Negan uh, to direct them through these tunnels. So they go down, and Negan, it turns out, is hesitant. He doesn't really want to keep going. He wants them to wait out the rain, but nobody listens to him.
1: Yeah, don't go down in the fucking hole in the ground in the middle of a <laughs> rainstorm like you don't know what's down there. You don't know what's blocking the way, whether it's collapsed or, you know, it's like, uh, oh, it's uh, it's raining uh, really, really hard. Uh, let's go down in this abandoned mine shaft. I think that makes perfect sense. Right. Let's go down into this mine and see if we can either uh, use it for shelter. That makes sense. Or uh, as a transportation, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to get from one place, place to another. Yeah. Uh, bad
0: idea. Go into the subway entrance. And stay put. Yep. Well, that's sort of what Negan is suggesting. In fact, the next scene is kind of all about that. They're now, you know, he doesn't want them to go in, but they they make him go anyways. And they start hearing these strange noises. And Alden says that the storm is pushing air through the pipes and making them groan. And Negan says again, you know, I don't think we should be doing this. We should turn around. It's really dangerous down here. He also points out that there's a water marking on the wall, which clearly means that these tunnels flood from time to time and it's just not dangerous, but nobody listens and they keep going.
1: That's not an opinion. Like that's, that's, you know, pointing that out is not like, oh, Negan's just being an asshole. It's like, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Right. Uh, You know, you're underground. Uh, If there's a watermark, that means this thing floods. Uh, You don't want to be down here uh, when it floods. No. You simply, that, that just means
0: certain death for everybody involved. Yeah, get the hell out of the subway station, well, you stupid idiots. N- Negan is proposing this, but everyone else is kind of stubborn, and they they keep going. And uh, that's all we, other than this graffiti that they see, which says, "If there is a God, He will have to beg for my forgiveness," which I thought was fun graffiti. Uh, that's all we see of this gang for now, and we cut over to our group that was captured by the Commonwealth. Yeah, so. Um, if we follow them for a minute, we see them being brought in on a horse-drawn wagon and interrogated. So during this interrogation, we have Clark, who is the woman from the Commonwealth sitting at the table. We've got Evans, which is the guy, you know, with her. And then standing nearby is Mercer, and he's wearing his orange Commonwealth armor. The pumpkin armor, yeah. That's right, the pumpkin armor. And so what we get now is essentially a long interrogation montage, I would say. We're cutting back and forth between all four characters. There's some split screen stuff and they're asking them all about their past, their education, what they did for work, their medical information, how they met, all all this kind of stuff. Even weird stuff like how many bowel movements they have in a day.
1: right? You're in a zombie apocalypse. That kind of shit ain't going to be regular. And I apologize for the pun. I did not intend
0: it. <laughs> it, it probably isn't going to be regular. That's very true. Uh, you're going to be,
1: uh, you know, on a good day, you're going to be backed up and be like a big fat zero, but on a bad day, it's going to be, you know, you really can't count them because it'll just be all the time.
0: <laughs> all the time. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. Cause you just never know. Yeah. Um, now, they explain to them, the Commonwealth people explain that they are under level one assessment, and if they pass, they go to level two, but if not, they go for reprocessing. Yeah. Which we don't really know anything about at this point, but that's what Well, that happening. means they're carved up
1: for meat, I would assume. I guess so. You know, it's not true, because we had somebody that was reprocessed that shows up a little bit later, but at this point in time, I was thinking, oh, they
0: become m- meat Sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why not? Um, but after a while it becomes clear that the Commonwealth folks are asking them the same questions multiple times. And the one that we see over and over again is what is the location of your settlement? So they're really just trying to suss out these people and see where they're from and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's not really clear, uh, what answers they're exactly trying to get out of them, but the main one is, you know, where did you come from? Where are you? Where are you living? Kind of, why are you here? In a way,
1: yeah. And they're trying to gauge, uh, you know, what their bowel movements are, so <laughs> that they can uh, maybe they're rebuilding the septic system, sure, in their encampment, and then they need to, uh, you know, put down a baseline of
0: what they were expecting. Uh, this their sewage needs to be sure. How much human I mean, waste so are we going to have to process in a day? Right? Yeah.
1: So they they got to take in the information. It's just like we're just we're taking a poll. How much do you how much do you poop? <laughs> Super. You know, when, when you, I mean, sure you poop uh, three times a day because uh, that you know you have three bowel movements, but uh, we also need to know quantity, right? Is it usually a lot of poop, or oh is it uh, you know just a little you know few pebbles here and there? Uh, so really, you got to you know they, it seems like they're getting to a very low level of detail, but uh, they still need to get some
0: more detail if sure. they want a full picture of what their sewage needs are. I, and why wouldn't they? I mean, there's only so much they can process at a time, so they need to know these things.
1: Yeah. And what do you wipe with? I mean, that was another question, right? It, it was, yeah. You're in a friggin' apocalypse. You wipe with whatever is lying around,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> Anything you can find, really.
1: You know, in worst case scenario, you rub some dirt on it and then they wipe it off, right? Ugh. So, you know, that's that's worst case scenario, but it'll work, right? Yeah. So, anyway. Maybe we should change the topic just slightly and move on.
0: Well, the next thing that happens is eventually Ezekiel sort of laughs about all this and he turns straight to Mercer and he asks him if he's in charge. And Mercer says, yes, I'm the guy in charge. And Ezekiel calls him a fascist in a pumpkin colored suit. And then he starts coughing uncontrollably. And this kind of reveals to the Commonwealth people that... You know, Ezekiel's maybe not all be, may not be in that great health. He's kind of sick, as we know. Yeah. So, therefore, the,
1: uh, you know, any of the answers he gave for bowel movements go right out the window. Totally out the window. You know, he's sick. Down the toilet if you were. Yeah. You can't trust his answers. Like, He may change from too much from one moment to the other. So, yeah, it's damn it. Screwed up
0: their whole, you know, uh, metrics. Totally. Well, we cut over to the four of them who are now sitting in a fenced-off cage of sorts, and they're discussing how their individual interrogations went. Uh, Three of them want to get out of there, even suggesting that the Commonwealth might not even be real. Like, this is all smoke and mirrors for some reason. But Eugene says that they should just play along for now because he wants to meet with Stephanie. That's very important to him, of course. And he says he just wants to pass their test, right? Like, play along, pass the test, and we'll be fine. Everything will be okay. Sure. Now there's another couple in there, and Princess asks them how long they've been there, and they have inconsistent answers. One says four months, and the other one says nine months, which is a pretty big difference, I would say. And then all of a sudden- Understandable. If it's, you uh, you know, in the zombie apocalypse-
1: and in our current time timeframe uh-huh. uh, and, you know, pandemic and, and shit, it's like, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, is it summer or is it Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's hot out. It's summer.
0: Still summer. Gotcha. Not Christmas. <laughs> it's like, is it
1: the fall yet? <laughs> no, not quite yet. But
0: uh, yeah, time gets uh, a little fuzzy in situations, right? I hear you. I hear you. Well, they're not sure if they've been there four or nine months, but all of a sudden they're grabbed and they're taken away for reprocessing. And this kind of convinces Eugene yet. Yeah, they got to go. They got to get out of there because who knows what reprocessing really means. So we go back into the subway tunnel. There are still lots of scary pipe noises and they come to a section that's covered with bagged bodies. Daryl goes to poke one, turns out it's a zombie. It's not a dead body. Uh, they wonder why they didn't make any noise and discover that the zombie's throat is slashed. So I guess the zombie doesn't have vocal cords and therefore can't make its regular zombie groaning noises? Um, I'm going to have to
1: go ahead and... Well, this raises another question. Mm-hmm. Why do zombies make noise, right? Noises from your mouth come from air passing over your vocal cords as you breathe. So if zombies make noise, that means zombies breathe. I guess so. Right? So a zombie in a bag probably won't make a noise because they
0: can't breathe. Yeah, but they made a point to show us that the throat was slashed almost to the point of cutting the head off, which... But then if the air has a way of getting out
1: other than... Through the vocal cords, it wouldn't make any noise. Yeah, yeah. I so guess there's so. a hole in his throat. So if it was long as the throat was cut below the vocal cords, that might make sense.
0: I guess that's what we got to believe here. That that's how it works, and the fact that air still passes over zombie vocal cords. Yeah, which so I've they're never still really, breathing. Never really thought about before, but I guess it. We Well, Negan suggests that this- that this is a mass grave that it might still be in use. And Maggie decides that the group is going to continue. So as they're going through, they're stabbing heads, trying to kill all these zombies and a really big fat one gets a hold of gauge and then Negan saves him.
1: Yeah. By pushing into him
0: and uh, the zombie
1: sort of oozing around the crowbar (laughs) that he was using.
0: (laughs) I would say that's accurate. Yeah. Oozing around the crowbar. It was pretty gross. It really was. Um, Now, after this, Negan accuses Maggie of not listening to anybody and pushing on despite this danger. He calls what they're on a death march. And Negan still wants to leave, but Maggie says he's the one who knows the city and he has to stay with them. But Negan claims that Maggie brought him here to die. If not during the mission... He says she'll find a way to kill him, you know, while they're away from Alexandria and kind of just get rid of him. And I think Negan at this point also realizes that nobody else was in on it. It was straight up just Maggie's plan, bring him along. And, you know, if he doesn't die on the mission, she'll kill him. So
1: why is it up to Maggie if Negan comes? Like nobody else has a say in this matter?
0: Not Father Gabe, not Daryl, nobody? Well, that's the thing. We didn't see a scene of them bringing Negan on this mission, right? It's just like they were in that room with the council and they all were like, some of us will go, some of us won't. Cut to them in the rainstorm and Negan is on the mission. Yeah. So you're right. It We didn't get to see that bit, um, but it seems to be up to her. And if, if he came, they've justified it because he's the one who knows the city and can lead them through it in the most efficient way. That's all we've got here. There's got to be other people that know the
1: city, right? All of Maggie's crew that have been around here or around there or have scouted out this area or knew where the hangar was and exactly where the MREs were. Uh, You know, somebody else has got to know the city. Negan is not the only one around here that knows Washington, D.C., No, you're probably right, but for whatever- Wait a minute, didn't they come into Washington, D.C. and go to the Smithsonian to
0: get a fucking wagon at one point? Yeah, way back. Remember, they did. They went and got a wagon and some other stuff, yeah.
1: They've been scouting around Washington for a while, right? Okay, so- They
0: don't need Negan. So what you're saying is this whole thing that Negan is accusing Maggie of is kind of plausible. Like, he's only there so that he can die on this mission.
1: Yeah, and it's a piss-poor excuse that anybody should have saw through, uh, and not just Negan. Right. (laughs) It's like, we don't fucking need him. I've been wandering around Washington, D.C. for six years.
0: Uh, we We don't need Negan. Yet here he is. Well, he makes a comment about Glenn and Daryl punches him, which I don't blame him for. And then Maggie points a gun at him, at Negan, and claims that she doesn't want to kill Negan. She talks about her... She says... You know, she talks about the woman who left, referring to herself six years ago, saying that there's only a little bit of that woman left in her. And she says that that little bit is the only thing keeping Negan breathing. And I must admit, Jason, I was a little bit confused by this scene because it seems to me that the, the version of Maggie that left six years ago is the version of Maggie that would want to kill Negan, not the version of her that wants to keep him alive. So... Isn't this kind of backwards a little bit? It, it totally is backwards.
1: It, that that Maggie probably wanted to kill him, whereas this Maggie
0: uh, also wants to kill him, I would assume. I, I would say also wants to kill him, but this is Maggie with six years of perspective. Not that that would change her mind in any way, but if you think back, it's like Maggie immediately after Negan killed Glenn, uh, that's you know the Maggie that would want to kill him, Whereas now, maybe she could have changed her mind, maybe not, but it doesn't feel like it would be the one six years ago that wants to spare him. So, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something that it felt kind of backwards to me in this scene. It makes me wonder how the hell that line got, or that whole
1: part of the dialogue got out of the writer's room. You'd think that a bunch of people that know the show... That are running the show, that are writing scripts, are like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Do we really want to present that as, you
0: know, the Maggie from six years ago wanting to keep him alive? Like, how the fuck did that make it well, into but, the show? But this is what I'm saying. Like, maybe we're we're misunderstanding something here. Because, like, the six-year-ago Maggie, that's not when Glenn was killed. That's when she left, right? That's when... Yeah. That's when Rick decided to leave Negan alive and put him in prison instead of slit his throat. At that time, Maggie really wanted Negan to pay for his crimes, you know, and she really wanted Negan dead. So, is there something there? I I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. I don't see 6 year ago Maggie or whatever it was when Glenn died 8 year ago Maggie as being the one who wants to keep him alive. So, I, yeah, you're right. I think it's funny. I think we're either missing something or this is just kind of backwards.
1: <laughs> is it Gregory? Uh, we know when she murdered Gregory because that was is nothing less than murder. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe she regretted that and doesn't want to murder Negan in the same way for revenge. She she feels kind of guilty about that, and maybe that's the Maggie she's
0: talking about,
1: the one post Gregory but pre buggering off.
0: Yeah maybe i i don't know like you're right i mean she could have changed her tune after killing gregory but like she did that to make a point and sort of bring everyone in line a little bit it it could be related but in in another way it's not really related to this at all you know negan kills glenn rick lets him live maggie wants negan dead to pay for you know the fact that he murdered her husband I don't know. I, I, I thought it was strange. I thought it was a little bit weird, but I'm all for, I'm open to the idea that we're just kind of misunderstanding this and there's something else going on here. So listeners, let us know. I would yeah. be super curious about that. Anyways, we go back to this cell with Eugene and the gang and they're talking about ideas of how to pass the guards and Princess notices that two of the guards are flirting with each other she knows their names she says she remembers everything she heard about the guards while they were on their little wagon ride into the place and she says she even realizes they disappear to have sex (laughs) together um and that you know this is just something they do and then cut to two soldiers leading ezekiel and princess down a hallway past uh you know, two other like open doors where other quest where other prisoners are being questioned and stuff like that. And the two soldiers are Yumiko and Eugene, dressed up in Commonwealth armor. They're doing the old Wookie prisoner exchange here, right? Yeah.
1: What the so, hell? <laughs>
0: we, uh, we glossed over a
1: very important part, like the you know how did they get out of the cage? Yeah. Uh, you know, attacking the guards and uh, getting the uh, the stormtrooper armor. Because, you know, yeah, it's the Wookiee prisoner exchange. It's it's that kind of thing. But at least in Star Wars, we saw the progression of that, right? Right. Uh, but in this one, it just gets glossed over uh, a huge amount. And then the only way out is to walk past the interrogation rooms that have uncovered windows as fucking slowly as you could possibly walk down
0: a hallway. Well, Okay. Like, that's like, maybe that's the only way, but I don't want to, I don't want to skip over this, this yada yada part here. Like they're talking yeah. about doing this and then, and like, from what I can tell, they are prisoners there. They're locked in this cage with no way out. There are guards all over the place. Princess says they sneak away to do it once in a while. Cut to somehow they've escaped the, the, the cage. They have confronted these guards who have taken their armor off to like get down and put it on and are just walking around the place like that feels like a lot to skip over it does and and i really admire them for that
1: in a in a sarcastic way because uh what i would really like to do is to come to a realization uh uh, and then have a a desire that i would like to fulfill Uh, and then black out until it's done right without having to actually uh, go through the uh, you know mustering the willpower to actually do it well it's It's like I want to lose 20 pounds I want to lose 20 pounds I want to lose 20 pounds and then black out and I'm 20 pounds lighter like a week I don't know that's a ridiculous amount of time but let's say two months later I'm you know fit as a
0: fiddle and I didn't have to deal with any of the fucking willpower or anything else it's like blink and it's done I I I didn't get this. Like I was really jarred by this the first time I watched it. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I just missed something. Maybe there's something in the dialogue that explains this. I'll just keep watching and I'll pick it up the next time. But I watched it a second time while I was making these notes and I'm like, nope, it's not there. They're talking about doing something and then they've done it. And it doesn't like, I, I couldn't figure it out. Like I I didn't understand how they can just skip over this part. I mean, you, you want to be efficient in your, storytelling, right? But this feels like instead of, I don't know, instead of talking about this scene and then jumping ahead, they needed to maybe show it to us. And I don't mean just the whatever happened between that conversation and when they were in the hallway, but like, instead of Princess sitting there talking about how, oh, I noticed them flirting, you know, they do this, they do that, like show that to the audience, make us understand what's going on and then give us some believable explanation for them getting out of this cell and taking advantage of this situation. But none of that was there, was it? I don't think so. No, it wasn't there at all. So, you know,
1: there's that show don't tell adage in in television and movies. But if you, if uh, you know, if they said anything, it would be the tell don't show. So why do anything, right? Like you can't show, if you don't want to show it, you can't tell because that, that breaks
0: the rules. So just, You know, let's just assume that that happened and we'll move on with our lives. It reminds me a little bit of how Negan was on this, on this subway mission with them. It's like, we have this gang going out and then they're on the road and Negan's there. And we skipped over any bit about bringing Negan and what that means, right? He's just there all of a sudden. I mean, this is worse, in my opinion. This is like, you know what? Look at those two. That's what they're doing. Oh, we can take advantage of it. I didn't believe that they could in any way for all from what I could tell is they were locked in this cage. Sure, they were allowed to sit around a table and, and talk to each other, but that was it. Like they couldn't get out and like other prisoners were being taken away for reprocessing by stormtroopers. It didn't feel like they had any freedom whatsoever. So, yeah, I think this was a huge miss on the show. Like pretty much I I was it was it to save time? Was
1: it? I don't know. I have no idea. Did it end up on the cutting room floor? It was like the footage so bad that they had to put in uh, Daryl, dog, and the kids, uh, but cut that piece out. Like they maybe they cut right. that piece out of them doing it because it was so awful or whatever reason. And it's like, man, we need we need to fill like 15 seconds here. What do we do? It's like, oh, we got to put that footage frigging dog in the kids. Yeah, it's like, oh, we can't put that in. <laughs> like, well, you know, we need 15 seconds here. What are we gonna do?
0: We need that All funny right. shot of dog messing up his lines. You know, I don't know. Yeah,
1: You know, now that we talk about it, it kind of reminds me of Arrested Development, the the first three seasons of Arrested Development. Right. One of the things I liked about that show is that the whole episode seemed like a recap, right? It was Ron Howard talking uh, about what the Bluth family was doing and the whole thing would seem like a recap of what was actually happening. Uh, and they would they would cut from one shot to another sure. or one place to another and they would just kind of explain it away and they never did anything. It was all just little snippets of what their lives were like. Yep. And that worked because Arrested Development was a fucking awesome show. But uh that was at least tell don't show and you know, have a uh, a cast of brilliant friggin' comedic actors uh do it. Yep. Uh and this was uh, you know, well, don't show, don't tell, just just do it, like just get it done. Yeah, like, I don't know, just but move on.
0: Arrested Development is a is a you know it's a funny analogy because like they could do things like ha- show the characters in one scene and then show the characters in another scene that clearly some stuff happened in between. But when you have the voiceover, you know he could say something funny. It's like after you know after many hours of whatever, whatever, and great pains, they ended up here, and that's all. Yeah, it took, exactly. Right. That's that's. That worked for that show, but that doesn't work for this show. You can't just set something up and then skip over it like that. It it felt wrong. It didn't feel like it made sense at all.
1: Well, you know, and, uh, you know, the biggest glaring issue that in this particular spot here was that Ron Howard was not narrating what was going on. If at least you had Ron Howard narrating what was going on or what happened,
0: I might have ex- accepted it. Sure. Ron Howard could say, you know... <laughs> The gang snuck out at night and uh found these two soldiers naked in a room together at which time they punched them in the face and put on their armor and here we are. are, you know it's like fine, I believe well, Ron he, Howard,
1: yeah, you could also have Ron Howard read a grocery list and it'd be just fine, fair enough. I'd watch that
0: well, this was weird. I didn't get it at all, but again if if i'm miss if we're missing something, I don't know, but just felt like. Something wasn't working here. So anyways, they're walking down this hallway and they go at a door and they find a huge dumpster of money out behind the building. And apparently it's destined for incineration because money is not important in the Commonwealth. They pass. I was looking
1: for her uh, $2 bill because she was talking oh, yeah. about her $2 bill that she got. Uh, and she, she asked uh, the pumpkin armor guy if she could have her two bucks back. Right. So, uh, you know, I paused it at this point and I looked through this bin for her, t- her $2 bill. Oh, there it is. I see it. Oh, really? I didn't see it before, but I see it now. There's a $2 bill in there. I see a five and 20 and a whole mess of ones and some undeterminate de- denominations, but I see a $2 bill in this pile. Oh, That's fun. That's that good, I'm fun.
0: glad. You're right. She Princess was looking for her $2 bill that she was carrying around with her. So there it is. That's good. Well, they're going to burn all that money. Then they come to a wall of photographs with a sign above it that says flag for expedited assessment and admittance to the Commonwealth. And Ezekiel calls this the wall of the lost. So as they're about to leave and run off, Princess notices a picture of Yumiko on the wall with a note that says, have you seen my sister Miko? And Yumiko looks at this, realizes it's uh, realizes her sister is inside the Commonwealth and decides that she has to stay so she can be yep. reunited with her sister.
1: Well, it's lucky she has armor. It'll,
0: she'll fit right in now. Yeah. It, she'll fit right in. Exactly. And when we watched the trailer and we saw this scene, uh, I was, for some reason, unsure of whether it was Yumiko in that armor, but here we are, and sure enough, it was. So if
1: this wall of the lost is a, a bunch of people that are flagged for expedited admittance, uh, they really dropped the ball on Yumiko because she's did. right here. Like, why are you interrogating her? She's on the wall. They're, uh, I don't know, and... It seemed like they were very, uh, officious in their, uh, assessment and, you know, these questions that they asked and the fact that this is a level one assessment and there's a level two assessment yep. and there's, uh, all this uh, stuff. So they seem like there's a, a very strong and robust, uh, bureaucracy that's going on here. Uh, and yet this expedited wall it just seems like a jumbled mess. Uh, you'd think that this information would be in a fucking filing cabinet someplace organized and notarized and, you know, uh, typed out in triplicates, lost, found, and then, you know, put on somebody's desk, yep. uh, to be, to be properly expedited. So the, you know, I think they really dropped the ball on this one.
0: I, I, I hear what you're saying and I appreciate the Douglas Adams reference. Thank you. Um, however, this is a scene, to be honest, this is a scene straight out of the comics. Is it? Yeah. And, you know, there is a scene in the comics with this wall, and a particular character in the comics who is not included in this scene in the TV show sees someone on that wall that they recognize, and uh, it is kind of a big deal. So that character from the comics has been replaced with Yumiko in the TV show. So anyone who's read the comics will, you know, know what I'm talking about, but... I hear what you're saying. If these are people that are supposed to be flagged for expedited processing, you'd think they'd have a better filing system for it than just a random wall like out behind yeah. the building. But it does make a lot of sense if you've if you've read the comics.
1: Yeah, and Yumiko Yumiko would go right to uh, level two assessment. She'd skip level one, right? Right. That, exactly. That's the way my company works. If you if I recommend somebody, they're guaranteed an interview, right? They yeah. will skip the entire uh first round of processing they'll go right to the interview process right so they they skip that first thing that first round because of the uh the recommendation you would think that uh, Yumiko would go right to round 2 of assessment yeah
0: well or level 2 assessment they, these people drop the ball they don't know what they're I doing i guess i guess so uh do you get some kind of bonus if you recommend someone that gets hired <laughs> I don't clearly, think so. clearly, you've never done it, so who knows? <laughs> no, I, I,
1: I don't know anybody that I would recommend. Every once in a while, my boss would or my manager would ask me, "Do you know anybody we're looking to hire? Do you know anybody?" It's like not that I would recommend. All right, <laughs> I
0: know people, but uh, I don't want to work with you, them on. Chris. I would recommend
1: oh. you. If you wanted to uh, jump ship and become a, uh, you know, an architect.
0: That's kind of you. I'll think about it. All right. Let me know. (laughs) Okay. Very good. We can split the bonus if I get the job.
1: I don't think there's a bonus. There is a bonus for other things. Like if I, uh, if I write a white paper or an internal article for whatever, they give, uh, there's monetary bonuses for that, but I ain't fucking doing that I just don't,
0: I don't see you doing that No. (laughs) On my own time? Like a chump? I don't think so. Forget it. All right. Well, back to the episode. We cut back over to the subway tunnel. They are still in there. They're killing zombies in bags. They come to a subway train that is blocking the tunnel. And at this point, they also realize that Gage and Roy aren't with them anymore. So they took off and and went back. Uh, Or they
1: were snatched by, uh, you know, there's there's side tunnels. There's, you know, emergency escape tunnels and stuff.
0: Fair enough. So, they could have run back. Yeah. But they also say that they took ammo and rations with them. So they like stole their stuff and took off.
1: Or the, whoever snatched them, yeah, yeah. snatched the right people. Fair and enough. Why were they, you know, the rear of a column is just as, almost just as important as the, uh, the point man, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't put somebody, uh, you don't let stragglers fucking around in the back with the gear, right? No. If you're in a, if you're, you know, on a patrol or you're doing something, you, you put some. the most important person is at the front directing things. The second most important person is at the back making sure nobody fucks up and stops. Right. And decides to, you know, take a dump. I keep talking about poop. I got to (laughs) stop. I got a five-year-old. What am I going to do? Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) uh, So you don't let those guys hang around at the back, right? You have somebody that's important behind them uh, to stop the column if uh, if these guys are tired, because obviously they've drawn some shit duty of having to carry all the batteries uh-huh. and ammo and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, But what I wanted to raise here was we have a subway car or subway uh, train that is blocking the passage. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. The door is locked. So these bodies that are all in here came in from the same direction as our fine intrepid heroes have come from, seems like it. They didn't. They didn't come from somewhere else. So they walked down the tunnel a goodly way before they uh, stumbled across these uh, not really body bags, but their bodies in bags. Right? Exactly. It's a coincidence. Uh, so the whoever put these bodies in here carted them an awful long way in order to dump them in this subway. Wouldn't you just like kind of? If you wanted to get rid of a bunch of bodies, wouldn't you just like roll them down the stairs and walk away? I mean, that's what I would do for sure. I probably wouldn't go that far, right? Yeah. I I, I don't know what I would do, I, but I don't think I would carry them all this way down the tunnel just to leave them lying around. If you're going to honor your dead, you bury them. If you're not going to honor your dead,
0: you fucking just chuck them in the nearest hole. Sure. Now, I, I don't think you can... 100% assume that these bodies were all dumped here coming from the same direction that our, our people were coming from. I think they could have been dumped out the back of this subway train, right? And then the subway got stuck? Well, not that the subway was ever moving, but like maybe the people that left them there brought them in through the train, threw them out the back door, and then locked the door or something. Still seems like a lot of work. Well, you're right. Still, it's still definitely a lot of work. So... I, I don't know where they came from, really. I wouldn't. I would dump them in a building,
1: right? I wouldn't like drag them down down a bunch of stairs, and all the way down through a subway, a subway train, which seems like a pain in the ass in its own right, mm-hmm. all the way to this location. So uh, I'm gonna call bullshit on this fucking grave site. Yeah, thing. Or are they? I, even I, there? This doesn't make any sense.
0: No. Well, or does this
1: fall on the uh, the nitpick meter? This is about a three, right? So this is something we should nitpick about? I mean,
0: it's not super high. Yeah, it's not super high. But right. I, I, I definitely see your point. Like, what, what are they doing there? I mean, I guess you could think that whoever dumped them there wanted to get them, you know, a little farther away so that if they did wake up and get out of their their bags, they wouldn't just wander back up out of the subway system. It would be a little harder to do if they were deeper in. I don't know.
1: Well, that's why Maggie said this is part of the fall, right? Yeah. Uh, I think they're here be- at the time that, uh, before they knew that everybody was infected. They just like, they were body bags and they, uh, they didn't know you had to stab them in the head because mm-hmm. if they were put down here after they knew that everybody was infected and they would come back to life, they would just stab them all in the head. Right. Problem right? solved. They would take the, take the time to stab them in the head and then you throw them in the nearest Walmart. Because that's got, there's a lot of space in there. You clear out all the food. You take all the, you you take all the pillows (laughs) because you need pillows. Sure. Right. You take all the Lego because you need something to do. (laughs) You take all the clothes, shoes, whatever. You clear out a whole big spot and then you fill the fucking Walmart with bodies. Right. That makes sense. (laughs) You
0: know, the subway doesn't make any sense. And the irony is Walmart was full of zombies before the apocalypse.
1: Yeah, and, does, <laughs> and the Walmart has a loading dock, right? The yep. friggin' subway tunnel does not have a convenient loading dock where you could put a dump truck full of bodies and just kind of dump them yeah.
0: someplace. very true. Well, I don't know. They're down there, and our group has come to this subway train, and suddenly they realize that there is a large group of zombies behind them in the tunnel coming at them, not the ones uh-huh. that were in the bags, just nope. a random... Uh-huh group of a random herd of zombies coming at them that I guess have been there following them the whole time. Uh, yeah. Maybe they were down the other end
1: of the tunnel. Like if they would have turned left instead of right, they would have run into this herd. Yep. But they were walking down the tunnel and flashing their lights and talking, uh, like a bunch of chumps and all these zombies were probably sleeping in the other end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they got up, they got out of their bags because I assume that those were idiots in bags too. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, started wandering away. they just, yeah, you're right. I didn't really think about that particular herd
0: of zombies, but it seems awfully convenient. They're just there. Yeah. So the gang starts fighting them off and they have nowhere to go because this train is blocking it. They can't open the door, but they realize that they can climb on top of it. So they start doing that except for Dog, who runs around the side and goes under the train. And Daryl follows Dog. He goes yeah. under the train as well. Everybody else starts to climb up. Negan goes second last. He gets up on top. And then Maggie goes last. But Maggie can't quite get a grip on whatever it is, the ledges she's trying to climb up on this train. The zombies are grabbing at her legs. Negan is up there on top of the train looking down at her. And he pauses. And he has plenty of time to reach down and pull her up. She even calls out to him and says, Negan. Pull me up you know basically he stares at her for a second and then disappears on top of the train and we get a close-up shot of maggie's hand apparently losing her grip on whatever she was trying to grip the end episode over so we are led to believe that maggie has fallen back into this group of zombies that was pulling at her legs
1: yeah, well, Negan just left her
0: there to die. Negan, We're supposed to believe that? Negan left her there to die. That's yeah. right.
1: It's obviously a setup for Negan had to duck away in order to grab something to save her life. And to just, even though she's slipping, her hand will be grabbed and she'll be pulled up and saved by Negan in the opening shot of next week's episode, which is part two of this Asheron thing.
0: That is very true. So, so here's the thing. I don't believe for a second that Maggie's dead. Um... And I do believe she will be rescued. Who knows whether it's Negan or not? I don't know. But when you think about it, Jason, it kind of parallels the beginning of this episode when that bag of MREs is falling and Daryl grabs it at the last second and pulls it up.
1: Yeah. And trope of anybody ever falling. I mean, a cliffhanger comes to mind. Remember that movie, Sylvester Stallone and the lady from uh, Northern Exposure? And oh, Michael
0: Rooker. Oh, was he in that?
1: Yeah, along yeah. with John Lithgow was the bad guy. Oh God, that was a good movie. Good old cliffhanger. <laughs> no, it wasn't a good movie. It was a good movie, but it wasn't a good movie. You know what I mean? Definitely a movie. Yeah, yeah. So at the beginning, the the ladies falling, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's just it it just seems awfully convenient. It's, it's a trope. Yeah,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, but for now, it seems like Maggie has fallen into these zombies, and Negan has left her to die. I I don't know what to believe. Like I mean, I know Maggie's not dead. I am confident of that. But you know, I I I don't know what to think here because Nagin Nagin I keep saying Nagin Negan. You know, earlier said you guys brought me here just to kill me, and so he's thinking that this is my chance to avoid that and let Maggie get killed instead. I don't know. Or you're absolutely right. He is just hesitating, or he's going to rescue her in some way. And we basically just haven't seen it yet. And I think that's probably more likely to be honest. Yeah. You know? Yep. Well, Ryan in Hampshire, Illinois sent in a funny, holy crap. He said, holy crap, Negan just ditched Maggie like a two day old Tim Horton donut. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) You wouldn't, would you? (laughs) There's still some,
1: there's still some life left in a two day old Tim Horton donut. Uh,
0: maybe, maybe.
1: Maybe. (laughs) They don't sell day olds anymore. You ever notice that? You used to be able to get a bag of day olds. I uh, never noticed. You, I don't know. You can't. You can't do that anymore. I don't buy a lot of donuts from Tim Hortons. Well, me neither. But I just, I've. It's been a decade since I've seen, uh, you know, a bag of day olds for sale. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. what do they do with their old donuts? Like they can't sell all the donuts all the time. So what do they just fucking trash them? That's unfortunate, but they probably do. Does that mean I have to buy more donuts in in order to alleviate the? Uh, you know, what's going on in the in the garbage dump. Yes, it does. Or...
0: You will be contributing to less landfill if you buy more donuts. <sighs> but more sewage processing. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it's, not, it's not where I Just thought it. Just got to bring it around again. One yeah. more,
1: one last time. That's it, I promise.
0: Gross. All right. Well, that's it, man. That's the episode. So let me, let me ask you, um, what did you think of, of this season premiere for season 11 of, of The Walking Dead? Uh, overall mr miles
1: overall I thought it was compelling and interesting and i'm uh it did, did what a uh a season premiere uh, is meant to do it got me interested in what the hell's gonna happen next uh and also put some context around a bunch of the scenes in the trailer which is also a good i good thing so yep. overall uh I'll give it a solid
0: it is pretty good yeah, it's funny. I liked it too. I I liked it as uh, as as well as you did, but despite the fact that there was some stuff in here that I thought was a little bit janky. Mostly that scene yeah. of of skipping over like how did they get in the armor, right? Um, but you're right. I I thought it was pretty good. I thought it set up some good stuff. I enjoyed most of 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 all of it, really. Of them traveling through this subway tunnel, I enjoyed the stuff in the Commonwealth. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, but I think it had a couple of missteps that kind of takes it down a a notch from being a really good episode. It was just merely pretty good, right? Okay, let me, let's talk about that janky bit just
1: one last time, because I might be able to alleviate some of the concern over that. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Uh, so we have Princess talking about these two guards that are obviously flirting at each other uh, because she can tell uh, by the way they're not looking at each other, right? Which is, which is hilarious. So that that scene where she's talking about all that stuff was entertaining and fun, right? So I understand why that was in the uh, in the episode. If they cut that out in order to show the uh, uh, the stealing of the armor. Uh,
0: I'm not sure that would have been a good trait. And, and I agree with you, it, it speaks to her character a little bit, right? It it tells us or reminds us that she she's aware of everything that's going on around her. You know, she yeah. she may she retains information, which I like, and that's an interesting and a useful character trait. I totally agree with that. She so
1: she's not just a flighty ditz, right? Yeah. She's actually paying attention to everything. She And she's uh, capturing capturing information that other people are just not aware of. Yeah. Whether she means to or not, she is capturing it. You're right. Yeah. So we go from, uh, you know, discussing that and uh, talking about these two guards and how they sneak off. And then we have that knowing look, right? Mm -hmm. And our brains, my brain at least, was able to uh, join in that knowing look. Hey, this is the way we can get out of here. We, you know, we're looking for a way out. Here's our way out. And then you cut to they're doing, they did it. Right. So it was a very direct line from, uh, the planning to the aftermath. Right. There was no guesswork. There was no, uh, you know, how did they do that? There was no confusion. It was obviously a very direct line from, uh, the scene where they were that everybody realized it including the audience to it was done and now let's uh now show what's going on afterwards right so did they need to show it the answer is probably no because we all knew exactly what happened right it yeah. once it was clear who was in the armor at the back we it was very easy to put together that uh what happened that they executed their plan or they uh, they made their plan they executed their plan and now they're they're doing the uh, the wookie prisoner prisoner exchange gambit uh, to get out of there. Mm-hmm. It was a very very direct
0: easy line to follow. I, you know what I I think you make a good point there in saying that it was very clearly set up and then paid off. The bit that didn't work for me and maybe this is just me is that I assumed they were more they were held captive more than it seems like they were like I my assumption was they were prisoners in this place and yeah they would never be able to sort of get out and do something uh free like like what they were what they apparently did and maybe that's just me maybe they weren't as captive as I thought and therefore it kind of makes a little bit more sense but that's just the way I interpreted the scene and I'm like well they're in this prisons uh this cell cage, right? Cage, yeah. So how could they possibly leave and follow these two guards and take advantage of this situation, right? So that's where it didn't work for me. But you're right. Other than that, it was like set it up and show the aftermath. And we all kind of know what happens in between. There was just yeah but how do they get out of the there? cage? Yeah.
1: Uh is a very big question. Yeah. I wish they did not answer. And now that I think about it, why were there so many guards standing around in this one little spot, not looking at anything? Yeah. Like, what the what's the plan there? You just kind of make these people stand there? But that's the or thing. You just
0: put mannequins uh, with the friggin armor on it and have them stand around. We just need scarecrows in here instead. But that, that's the <laughs> thing. Like, showing us all those guards really makes me feel like they're prisoners and these people are guarding them, not just yeah. standing around, okay. you know? So- yeah, so that's that's where it didn't work for me, but I I get your point about the fact that it was a direct line from one to the other. It just we skipped a bunch in the middle. Yeah, so I don't know. I I, I think it was it was confusing to say the least, and uh, we'll we'll have to see what you know listeners think of that. But uh, other yeah. than that, I thought this was a a pretty solid episode, and and like like I said, sets a lot of things up and. Uh moves things a lot, and I'm looking forward to the, the back half of it um, in the next episode, which is already available on AMC+. Yeah, which Plus. you can you can watch right now, tonight, if you wanted. I don't think I will. I think I'll finish this podcast first, one podcast at a time, Jason.
1: So the feedback episode, and then you'll watch it?
0: Uh, no, we can't do that, because uh, if you recall, we're not doing a feedback this week. We're going to do it oh, shit. Right. the next Sorry. week. So. <laughs> so you could watch it right now? Uh, maybe. I'll wait till tomorrow. All right. Okay. Well, that is our recap of season 11 episode 1. I'm excited that The Walking Dead is back. Before we end, Jason, we have to send a thank you out to some new people that have become patrons and announce who is going to get our week 1 or episode 1 Walking Dead prize pack, which one of our nice. patrons. Awesome. So here's here's the deal. If you missed it on the last podcast, what we are doing is uh, every episode of season 11, we are going to randomly choose one of our patrons who has joined up at patreon.com slash the talking dead. And I'm going to send them out basically a prize pack that's pulled from all of the walking dead stuff that I've accumulated over the years. I have a bunch of things that... Uh, are just sitting around, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to share the wealth. I'm going to give it away. And every week, for all 24 episodes of season 11, someone's going to uh, get a fancy prize sent to them.
1: Awesome. Uh, wait, a fancy prize? Well, it's some of them are fancier <laughs> than others. Let's put <laughs> oh, it that way. I just, I'm just, i just wondering yeah. you know, how, how you qualify that fancy word.
0: So in the last couple of days, one of my kids and I took all this stuff and we organized it into 24 different little prize packs. Nice. And, uh, the first one is pretty awesome. If I do say so myself, it consists of a, uh, Carol themed serving tray that says something about, you're going to get lots of cookies on it. And the handles on the sides are shaped like brass knuckles that you put on your hand to like oh, wow. punch somebody in the face. Um, so you get that as well as a Carol, like body armor themed cooking apron. So it's, Holy it's shit. all food and cooking themed. It's pretty great. Uh, every one of the 24 prize packs includes a couple of podcast stickers as well. So that's very exciting, but this is a good one. This is a good one to start with. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to, to give it away. Now, All right, you've 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 met
1: my fancy standard. Oh, So good. when you say fancy prize, I am now wholly on board.
0: Oh, excellent, uh, excellent. Um, I have taken a picture of all the stuff organized into the 24 different prizes, which I'm going to post on our website. So by the time you're listening to this, if you go to talkingdeadpodcast.com, you should be able to find that picture of all the stuff, including this one. And before we choose... of our patrons to give this away to i do want to send out a big thank you to some new people that have joined uh and supported us at patreon.com talking dead and that is scott e thank you very much scott will uh, i don't have a last initial for will but thank you very much will for joining angel c thank you again angel And then Diana PK, and Diana wrote, Chris and Jason, thank you for your dedication and time spent on creating such a fun podcast. Looking forward to enjoying season 11 with you and your podcast community. So thank you so much, Diana PK. And then also Nika K, who recently uh, became a patron. So big thanks to all of you. Um, You know, you guys are all included in the basically the draw every week. Anyone who is a patron will be included in the draw for that week's prize. Okay, Jason, it's time to choose our winner for week number one. So I'm going to need you to reach yeah. into the Talking Dead prize bucket and pull out our winner this week. So whenever you're ready, please go ahead and do so. All right. So what I have here is a
1: small, pail. Full of names, uh, written on, uh, slips of, uh, they're actually dollar bills. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, which is quite fancy because Canada, we don't have dollar bills anymore. (laughs) But, uh, what I did was I acquired a whole bunch of dollar bills from days gone by and, uh, wrote the patrons, uh, names on them. Are they $2 bills? Uh, no, just the singles. They're okay. just singles. All right. Although the, we never called them that in Canada. They called them that in, in the US, but they're just $1 bills. So I'm going to reach into the pail here and I'm going to uh, pull out a name. Uh, and oh, here's the name. And the name on this uh, is written in, in lipstick, which is really kind of <laughs> odd, but uh, the name is uh, Jeff D. Oh,
0: congratulations, <laughs> Jeff D. All right. Jeff, um, you are the lucky recipient of the Carol cooking prize pack for uh, week for episode one of season 11, I will be in touch via Patreon and probably via email, which may be the same thing because I think when I send you a message on Patreon, you get an email about it. Oh, technology. I know. Incredible. Um, But congrats, Jeff D uh, I'll need to be in touch for an address to send this out to you. So, um, that's exciting. This is really good. I'm I'm looking forward to this as we move on through the rest of the season. I've got things like Funko Pops, t-shirts, hats, glassware, uh stickers, everything, you know, all kinds of things that I've separated out, toys, um, all kinds of good stuff. So awesome. uh, if you want to get in on this, um visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the talking dead and you can be included in a future week's drawing. So, uh, congrats, Jeff D. I'll be in touch. All right. Thank you, everyone. That is going to do it for our podcast covering season 11, episode one. Uh, now, just to remind you, there isn't going to be a feedback show this week. I apologize because I'm going away for the rest of the week to get out of the city and enjoy a little bit of vacation time with the family. I realize the timing is a little bit poor, but, you know, when we booked this, I didn't know when The Walking Dead was going to start again. So, you know, there's nothing I can do. Yep. Um, But next week, we will cover the second half of the season premiere, episode two, and then we will do a normal feedback show encompassing both of them. So by all means, continue to send in feedback, your thoughts, your comments, whatever, and we will get as much of it onto a feedback show as we can following week. So how do you do that? You may ask. Well, one of the ways is to go to talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top. There is a new version of the little recording plugin that is used on the website. So I hope it works for everyone. Uh, Let me know if you have any trouble, but if it does, you should be able to record your message and it gets sent right into me. That is a great way to do it. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, or send us email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll, com- I'll uh, comb through all that and uh, include as much of it as I can on our feedback show when we get around to doing it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, if that's all you've got, Jason, I think we can call it a night. Surely. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.